Ready for the interview And if you get a cue Live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo Let's have a combo Say what you feel Be real, that's the motto Real talk pronto Doctor D, PhD Hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals it's your time to be the guest, Swati, here on the network. <laughs> you look great. Thanks for showing up. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it is very interesting being in this position. You know, the tables have turned. Uh, I'm so used to being the one doing the interviewing. So this is exciting. I know, right? I mean, you get to talk about yourself. You know, most <laughs> people don't struggle talking about themselves. <laughs> like, Fun fact, I do. <laughs> you do? Come on, don't do this to me. Sometimes. <laughs> no, but I'm going to totally, you know, embrace it. And I'm really looking forward to chatting with you and just getting to know a little bit more about what you're up to as well. Yeah. See, that's the interviewer in me. <laughs> See, now you're starting with it. Well, okay, it's my turn. Let me take this over, okay? Let me take <laughs> Totally. <this> so <laughs> give people some background. We've talked before. We've definitely mm -hmm. talked before offline. So this is kind of our first podcast meeting with it. But uh, I was fascinated to talk to you as you're in the psychedelic community, but I think the angle that is very different for most people in the psychedelic community is overcoming the kind of cultural biases that people like you and me have to overcome when using plant medicine or talking about plant medicine, psychedelics and stuff. So let's start kind of digging that digging into that a little bit and maybe how for you that has been somewhat difficult to overcome. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, thank you for asking me that because I feel like it's such a personal subject and topic that I don't generally get to share. Um, and I don't think that people are fully aware of and understand, but so my background and my heritage, uh, I'm Indian. So my parents are immigrants. They came from Punjab and I was born in Canada. So yeah, it's just been a really interesting experience of being first generation Hindu Punjabi and coming from a relatively traditional home, to be honest. My parents are, uh, you know, they're very Hindu. They're very Indian, traditional. <laughs> You're going to marry a nice Indian boy, you know, <laughs> like, like that is very them. And so, um, yeah, of course, you could understand how this part of my life is really not so open with them. And uh, it's something that I have kind of had to struggle with pretty much my entire life. It's, uh, you know, obviously psychedelics have been something that have totally, you know, formatively shaped who I am. And I've been using them, quite honestly, for about maybe 12 or 13 years. So since I was, you know, late adolescent, and that's kind of when I started developing myself spiritually, mentally, emotionally, I've had to kind of overcome a lot, um, you know, of that kind of cultural conditioning, cultural biases and, and everything that has kind of just held me back to becoming who I want to be. And so having to not disclose this part of my life with the people that I care about a lot is challenging. And um, there's a lot of stigma associated with psychedelics that I don't think that people are even aware of, you know, it's, it's like, I know there's a lot of kind of this general unease, you know, maybe, oh, what's that all about? All of, obviously all of the conditioning from the sixties, but in Indian culture, it's almost kind of like, if you do anything <laughs> as a woman, you know, there's that like added layer. It's like, as a young Indian, 
and woman, you know, this is the problem, you know, you're just this menace to society, you're not following that kind of straight laced, make us proud kind of um, narrative that I've been conditioned to really believe my whole life and almost kind of not being able to live up to that. It's very heartbreaking in a way, you know, personally, um, although they don't have actively make me feel that way. They're very proud of what I do. Um, but to be transparent, they don't know that I work in the psychedelic space. You, do you know that they are going to listen to this? I don't know. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of, I know, um, <laughs> probably not because they're not really online. You know, they're super traditional. Like I said, yeah. they just, they watch their sh programs in the evening. They listen to their early morning prayers. Like I just love them so much, but you know what I mean? Like that's kind of their vibe. And so, um, this space, like working within this space has been a, a challenge for me, you know, it's been something that I have had to actually just kind of keep to myself. Um, I've had to basically the way that I work with this is that I've, I've essentially told them everything, honestly, minus the psychedelics part, <laughs> which is really interesting, because they ask me, they're like, okay, so what do you do? It's like, okay, I work in media, you know, I'm going to conferences, I'm interviewing researchers in mental health, you know, <laughs> and I have a psychology background. Um, and so for them, it, it makes sense. They're like, okay, great. You know, you're pursuing this media career. You're in upper management. I was with Psychedelic Spotlight. And so I think they felt good about what I was doing, but they didn't fully understand the parameters and, you know, everything. And so there's no way I could tell them. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. There's why, no though? like when the why time is right. Like why? Um, what do you think? You know, think? They would be very disappointed because for them, you know, it's such a foreign concept of our daughter is working in this industry with illicit substances. Like this is the Indian community. You have to remember that they belong to a community of people where <laughs> your child and what they do is kind of like very, very much so a representation of you and who you are as a parent. And so if you're raising a child who is working in some illicit industry with <laughs> drugs, like, drugs, like for them, yeah, for drugs, like that's essentially how they see it, right? They don't fully understand, okay, you know, there's all this mental health research around it. For them, it's an automatic almost like that's something we could never tell our friends, our family, that would be disappointing. And so that's partially it. And so this kind of weight has um, been, you know, carried with me for many years, and it will probably continue to be carried with me, unfortunately. Um, but at the same time, I've also accepted it at this point in my life, like as, you know, a young adult, it's, it's like, yeah, I get it. That's just kind of how they are. And this is just kind of how it is. And this is how I've had to maintain a lot of different components of my life with them. Like just to mention another thing that I'm really engaged with is the dance music community and electronic music. I'm also a DJ. And so and you could imagine young Indian girl going clubbing at like 18. <laughs> like that's also that's also something that they have very little understanding of. They know that I've done radio and that I had a radio show. They saw my gear in my room. It's like, it's like very expensive gear. And they're like, what is that? And I'm like, it's for the radio show guys. And it is <laughs> technically. <laughs> technically <laughs> Let me give you some is. background. I want to give you some backgrounds. I think this will help this conversation. Like 
I, I, I am not Indian, but I am very familiar with Indian culture. I'm going to tell you why. Okay. I'm going to tell you yeah, why. Because I've had several Indian clients throughout the years. And one of uh, a set of my clients, they've been with me over a decade. So I've been at their house. I stay at their house all the time. And, and I had never met any Indian people like and talked to them specifically in depth before this, like, well, a decade ago. So I got like everything. I got like all of it. But what I think is really cool is they're very progressive uh, yeah. older Indian people. So like they're not like the traditional Indian folks. They're like the opposite, which I thought was really <laughs> interesting. But when I would mm -hmm. meet their friends, they were completely traditional Indian uh, folks. And I saw was like when you're saying this, I'm like, I totally get it. I understand. You could see it. Right. <laughs> Even like like yeah. I just had a lady on last night. She's from, she's from Pakistan and very similar. Right. Traditional Pakistani parents. Whole thing. She has purple hair like she is. <laughs> but this well. is a change with, I think, people from that part of the world. They're starting to the young people are starting to move away from the old ways. And you're seeing a yes. change of the guard. So that's my background with it. So I understand what you're saying with that. Totally. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that because yeah, I think it's difficult for people to wrap their head around that. They're like, but you're a fully grown woman. Like you're right. an adult. Why does this even matter to you? And family honor is just something that is so ingrained into you when you're from a collectivist um, culture like Indian heritage, or if you're, you know, Chinese or whatever it is, really, so much of what you do as an individual is reflected on the family. And it's like this honorary kind of like embedded system that just kind of seems to exist. There's this idea of, you know, I have an obligation to make sure that I'll be there for my family, you know, long term. And um, even if I live on my own, even, even, you know, as a young Indian woman living on your own, that's even something that. <laughs> is a problem for them like at an early age at 18 when I went away for university they were like oh my god like I can't believe you're leaving the house you know I'm <laughs> so worried and so it's interesting because yeah it's just this like universal thing I think depending on you know how traditional on the on the scale of traditionality you know where are you at um if you're, you know, deep in it, then that's very common, actually, with Indian parents. And it's common to live with your parents, actually, into your yes, 30s, indeed. like well into your 30s. Yeah. And so and people are like, that's wild. <laughs> and I'm like, eh, you know, it is what and it the is. The mothers and the sons are really tight, generally. That's like <laughs> a big be. thing. It's like a really yeah. big thing. I was like, wow, yeah. that's a little, little much. <laughs> <laughs> It's because the the sons are like, you know, it's it's my son, you know, he's going to bring honor to the family yeah. and, you know, get a great wife and I don't know, dowries yeah. and stuff. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I mean, it's great. Oh, it's just such a very interesting culture. But it's I think like I was talking to this other guest the other day is this cultural conformity. And this idea of like when you have these homogenous cultures, generally speaking, there's an idea that you must fit within this box. Like, I don't feel like what I'm about to say is like new to, new to anybody that knows this, but like often there is a job pathway too in these cultures. Like you're going to be an engineer, doctor, lawyer, and you know, and it's, there's very money centered, but also don't spend a lot of money either. <laughs> that thing. So it's an interesting pathway to be in. And then I see like a lot of, younger people bucking this but then when you add the psychedelics to it it's like whoa 
Whoa. <laughs> it's next level. Right. You're going to ruin your life. That's what they're thinking. You know, it's nothing like that, though. It's it's nothing like that. Yeah, exactly. And and I wonder if the psychedelic movement will get to a place 10 years, maybe 15, 20 years down the road where it's so commonplace that it's like one in five people are doing psychedelic therapy rather than traditional therapy. Microdosing is like the norm. I mean, it feels like the norm to me, to be honest, because I operate <laughs> in this space. I'm like, yeah. oh, you don't microdose? No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it just, it just feels like uh, maybe at that point when it's so second nature, okay, we can kind of accept this, but because it's so emerging, there's still so many regulations that are against it. There's only a handful of states that have kind of allowed this to happen, um, you know, under obviously medical supervision. Yeah. And that's something that I'm just curious about to see, you know. Yeah. You know what? I want to move into that, but I also want to go back a little bit. What's curious to me about Indian culture, which I know is a very spiritual culture with, uh, you know, different sects of religion, that you wouldn't embrace psychedelics because it's a very much a spiritual experience. <laughs> that's what seems weird to me with it you know totally yeah and that is a bit strange right because hinduism is this like deeply spiritual practice we have yoga in the west everybody's doing yoga you know everyone's mom's doing yoga it's just yeah. the thing and um it's interesting to think about that and i just think that there is a division and understanding of what is appropriate versus what is like not, you know, and yeah. I just think that um, surprisingly, psychedelics are not that common in India, you know, there's a substance called Soma, which is a psychedelic drink that potentially has, you know, emerged in ancient India and provided some type of psychedelic healing, but you know, it's uh, different to kind of Central America, South America, where I'm at right now, I'm in Mexico City. And obviously, there's like Mazatec culture, they are just very deeply into the world of psilocybin and whatnot. So I just feel like the cultural differences have allowed it to, you know, not really spread compared to somewhere like here, where it went to the West after. Yeah, it's, it's I just find it fascinating. If it's a very spiritual based culture, it would seem to align very closely with psychedelics, which has an incredible spiritual element to it. But uh, I digress. But I wonder where we're headed with psychedelics. Uh, and I, as you know, I, I interview tons of people in this space. I'm very curious about it. But is this something we're going to see more widespread through the medical intervention aspect of it first and then maybe for the well-being of well people aspect mm -hmm. of it after that? Um, I think that both are happening simultaneously right now, actually. I feel like um, the medical model is a little bit slower to develop for obvious reasons because of regulation, um, but the well-being centered narrative is spreading very fast and obviously microdosing is really taking the forefront of that um, it's the most accessible way for people to approach psychedelics they're not overwhelmed by it it's something that they can contain they're feeling good for the most part initially or however they're you know using their protocol and i see it as the gateway into more advanced, I don't know how you want to phrase that, forms of psychedelic healing, which mm. could lead to the therapeutic route. But I, you know, I don't see the opposite happening 
as frequently. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's exciting to see. Regardless, psychedelics are everywhere. Every major news platform is reporting on it. And that's a huge, huge shift. I was just looking at a graph that was showing the trends um, over the past five years. And it's it was in 2022 that it reached its peak in terms of online Google searches and coverage in that sense. And that's amazing. What's been the tipping point you think that has caused this to become more widespread? and like information, media, all of that? Yeah, there's a number of factors. Uh, I believe that a really big portion of it was the FDA uh, essentially saying that MDMA was considered a breakthrough, breakthrough therapy for PTSD. This was in 2019 or so. Once that happened, people were like, wow, this is exciting. This is huge news. And this almost kind of legitimizes all of the research that different institutions such as MAPS have done in the past. And so from there, things really started snowballing. Obviously, during that time, Michael Pollan's book came out, How to Change Your Mind. I'm sure you've heard of it. Yes. And if you haven't, check it out. I've read it and listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) It's fantastic. Yeah, it's a good gateway drug, quote unquote, but it really introduces you to that world. And so this really kind of uh, brought up a lot of interest and and, uh, an additional stir of more research on top of that into 2020. And that was kind of when the pandemic hit as well. People are locked inside their homes and they're challenged with mental health um, issues. And they're wondering, how can I overcome this right now when, you know, I'm, uh, you know, trapped in my home and I'm just with my thoughts all day. So I think it almost accelerated this movement forward. I would say that from there, it just continued building traction. And now it's really exciting news. And so these mainstream outlets are like, ooh, let's talk about that. Like how wild is it that, you know, there's all this research coming out. There's all these people that are allowed to legally use psilocybin for, uh, you know, palliative care or whatever it is that they're, you know, needing to use them for. So it's very cool. It's a snowball effect for sure. Yeah. I mean, the research was extremely robust in the sixties back then. I mean, it was awesome and you know, it, it changed on a dime, you know, and it's really sad, but I'm happy that maybe it's better that it's having a resurgence now. Um, it just, it just may be everything they has its time, you know, Mm -hmm. and you think, well, maybe the world would be better if it was, continuing during that time but i don't know you never know no but i'm just i'm glad that it is happening but i'm curious what is you haven't told your parents but (laughs) i'm sure you've told other people have you ever run into anybody who had resistance to what you've said to them about your psychedelic use oh that's a good question uh, yeah, actually, I have. I have uh, experienced that in my own inner circle of friends that are kind of those like lifelong best friends that don't actually use psychedelics. They're more into drinking. Um, they're not really about exploring the mind and you know, thinking philosophically, it's more like turning up at the bar, you know, and so love these people dearly. But you can only imagine me, you know, four or five years ago, talking about all this research coming out and being super excited about everything. And they're just kind of like, okay, uh, what's this all about? Like, is this safe? What is that? Like, that is insane, you know? And um, it felt a little bit alienating, I guess, but I'm super grateful that I was able to find community uh, in other places that 
also shared the same sentiment, but it's, it's, it was very enlightening for me to realize, okay, I don't think everybody is on board with this. Uh, there's a lot of questioning of, is this safe? Like, why would you be using ketamine? You know, I heard yeah. that's not good for you. It's bad for your bladder or whatever it is. Um, but it's come a long way now. And uh, a couple of them are microdosing now. So <laughs> <Right. a> good thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was the biggest maybe miss? perception of psychedelics from people you talk to the biggest misperception uh it's probably the level of danger the fact that there might be like psychological physical harm are you actually able to do this frequently or you know on a regular basis without harming yourselves and obviously as most of us in this space know that the research shows it is it is safe um relatively speaking obviously take precautions make sure that the, you have a sitter you're not doing you know ketamine recreationally every night or whatever it is you know because that could be bad for you um and addictive and whatnot so yeah there are components that um people should consider and harm reduction is key here but you know ultimately very rarely do you hear people saying you know he was addicted to mushrooms and he like no. od'd no. on mushrooms like no. you would not probably not yeah very rarely does no. that ever happen if ever you know and so um yeah good to know <laughs> you know what's interesting i find this like with psychedelics in my trips and experiences it feels like it it lessens your desire to want to be in drinking culture like when I mean drinking culture, I mean binge drinking culture and like it like because it's like it feels not significant to you. It's like, you know, I just had this crazy adventure and then I had this other thing that made me feel sick. <laughs> you know, it's like there's something that almost disconnects you from it on some level. You know, I, I don't know. I'm interested what you think about that. Oh, I'm glad that you said that. I totally agree with that. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term California sober. I am. <laughs> this yeah. Is, yeah, it's a it's a funny term because it's like, you know, oh, no drinks for me, thanks. But if you have some ketamine or MDMA or whatever it is, you know, they're willing to um, use psychedelics rather than drink because psychedelics don't necessarily make you um, inebriated, disoriented, almost detached from who you are, it kind of does the opposite, where you're able to more consciously take in your environment, your surroundings. I know everybody, you know, individual dose varies so much from person to person, and <laughs> obviously take precautions if you're taking these in public, be careful, like, please, <laughs> um, or whatever it is, really. But um even if you're just using them at home or if you're doing it the, therapeutically, you will probably not want to pick up a drink and get sloshed the next no. weekend because it's just, it feels physically, psychologically, mentally, emotionally bad at that point. Yeah. You've seen the other side. You're more conscious and aware of what you should be doing for your health, your body, your life. Um, and I love that so much about them, actually. So like my favorite thing is to more so kind of like stay in the realm of a microdose if I'm going out and it just makes me feel good and chill and relaxed. And yeah, I don't know. It's great. I think so too. You know, I, uh, funny like I, I i enjoy making cocktails i like a good cocktail with dinner and stuff but like totally it's really pretty much that's the extent of it and i was telling my wife i was like man i, I haven't been drunk in like a really long time like crazy but i've definitely been high and <laughs> like i've definitely been 
I've done, you know, I've definitely been in a different plane, you know, with psychedelics. And it just, to me, it's just preferable. I feel better. I have extremely profound experiences, the closeness, the tightness with myself and other people. It just, and my friends are all the same way. I introduced all my friends to psychedelics that really tight. And we've all done the same thing. We've gone the other direction and lessened the other for that. Amazing. And it's funny when you start doing that, other people don't understand that because they're, used to like drink like binge drinking culture and it's like where you have a good time for a little bit but you pay on the back end really bad it's like really bad totally, <laughs> so, totally. it's yeah. like this doesn't make sense to me <laughs> you know absolutely I and mean, that's that's an amazing story to be honest the fact that you were able to kind of spread that influence that i would say relatively positive influence into your own inner circles rather than it being the other way around and having to kind of move on from certain groups because i know that can happen as well that's quite common i feel um in this in this world and i'm very blessed and lucky to have friends that have you know, consciously use psychedelics for a long time, similar to myself. And we are all pretty spiritually aligned and we've developed ourselves over the years. And so that's very positive, but you know, that drinking culture is just rampant. It's such a norm. It's yeah, it's difficult to escape sometimes, but I think things are changing now. I'm seeing more seltzers. (laughs) More seltzers at the bar. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I'm all about it. I enjoy having a cocktail with somebody. And so I, 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 that's still something I really enjoy. I just not interested and feeling like crap, like, right. you know, it's like, but I'm more interested in having profound experiences that elo- that I feel like I'm becoming more enlightened. And these substances do that. And uh, totally. so I think that's, that's kind of the turning point um, with that. But it's, it's interesting. Like I told my parents, so I have a leg up on you, Swati. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy for you, Darren. That's great. And they were, they were, they were, I think they're a little skeptical, but they got over it. They were like, oh, okay. And then, and then, but my brother and I both do it. And, and I think they're curious. They're more cur- They've reached curious stage now because they were socialized into this is bad. And of course mm-hmm. it's a schedule one ridiculous drug. It's crazy. It's yeah. literally crazy. <laughs> in the like, u.s it's like insane. insane i'm from canada so it's a little different but it's, it's just okay. like absolutely insane i yeah. agree it makes no sense but that's what people see and they associate bad 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 with that always yeah absolutely or at least you know our parents generation or whatever it is um but i'm glad that you were able to kind of like have them warm up to you in that way and just yeah. like kind of acclimate to your lifestyle because maybe they were seeing oh you know he's a lot happier he's feeling good he's not out drinking on the weekends all the time or whatever <laughs> it is you know whatever it is you know yeah i think it's um you know just open mindedness is really important and i also think it's important for everybody listening out there it's important if you're someone like you see someone who has their life together and they're doing these substances, it makes you think, okay, this isn't the stereotype that they're putting out. Like some guy in an alley, you know, throwing his life away and he's just jumping out of windows. Like that's a lie. Uh, That's pretty much a lie. But if you see like very reputable people consuming these and profound experiences, it creates a shift. I feel like, and they go, okay, well, if that person thinks it's good, maybe I'm wrong about this. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, are you familiar with Dr. Carl Hart? I am. I yeah. Am. I read his book too. 
love his work. And I think he's a great example of this, you know, somebody who has accomplished so much in his career. He's done incredible research around this subject. And uh, honestly, he's still stigmatized quite a lot because he recreationally uses heroin. Yeah. And that's something that he says, this is kind of my choice. Here's the research. I'm laying this out for you guys. And so it's almost like this similarity between the classic psychedelics that we're using, like LSD and ketamine, and comparing that to heroin and almost in a way, it's like this similar feeling of stigma. And I try to I try to relate and understand how are people actually viewing what I'm doing, you know, and it could be you know, they're seeing it as extreme when these things, you know, exist on various different kind of continuums. They're very, very different in their effects and what they can do. And it's super really, it really, really depends on dosage um, and environment very, very much so. So would you say like, so what are you prime? What's your primary practice? Is it psilocybin, ketamine? What, what, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm a big psilocybin fan. <laughs> I love the mushroom. Mushies are medicine. <laughs> that is my saying. <laughs> it's very liberating to say this, by the way. I feel like I know, isn't it? I'm, it feels amazing. I have to say, like I've uh, because I've worked in the industry for so long that I felt as though I, I have had to kind of keep my own personal use to myself. But this feels like a very safe space to share this. And I'm also kind of uh, going solo as well, so <laughs> in a little more okay for me to do that so um yeah mushrooms love mushrooms and uh really appreciate microdosing obviously the odd kind of like full dose which i would say maybe like three and a half grams every what three months or so three to really? six months even yeah totally oh. i i used to be a lot more adamant you know and more regular with it to be completely honest it was almost serious? like monthly. <laughs> yeah yeah it was like it was like monthly this was <laughs> holy shit <laughs> but this was this, this was during the pandemic <laughs> Hold this, on. Is, this was during the pandemic don't judge me <laughs> i'm i'm like i'm not even kidding like it's Body, it was a incredible. time of deep work it was a time of deep work you know like it was a time of uh really going inward and working through the things that i have just been sitting on that have just started to emerge and it was it was really eye-opening i did ayahuasca during that time for the first time i did psilocybin ceremonies with my friends it yeah. was like you know very illicit because <laughs> we weren't allowed to see people but you know it was it was something that we all felt the need to do during that really dark yeah. time and I, I remember that time and how much came from that and to be honest I really have scaled back a lot on my psychedelic use since <laughs> then so like I said yeah I love psilocybin big fan <laughs> but in this past year, I've only taken smaller doses. I did um, a 5-MEO retreat last year. Are you serious? Actually. That's yeah, awesome. I did. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah, I was invited by Tendava Retreats. Um, Joelle and Victoria are awesome practitioners. They're really, really skilled in this area. So uh, I came over uh, via Spotlight to do some coverage. And I did I did the experience. And we actually had it on tape. So you, if you want to check it out, it's at Psychedelic Spotlight's um, YouTube and since then, honestly, I scaled back a lot. It was a big experience. <laughs> and it was a very big experience. And I felt the need to, I, I felt like a lot of what I got from that 
and the message that I received was you need to scale back a little and take time to really integrate everything that you have learned. And even though you think you're integrating, you know, like you need some time for that. Like you really do. <laughs> this is the best story. <laughs> it's like, is it? <laughs> this is the honest. It's like, raw. this is real. You know, it's like real. Like I'm like literally like every month I'm like, dude, when I do a big trip, I need like eight months to like process. Yeah. I like literally went like it's like a 10 hour trip and I get done. I'm like, I can't do this again for maybe a year. Like I have to think well, about yeah. this for like a while. Totally fair. Totally fair. I mean, like I said, it was a dark time. <laughs> we were all working. Through, we were all working through stuff. But hey, came out the other side. Super strong. Um, did this five, you know, retreat and really scaled back, did some microdosing, a couple of other things here and there. But um, yeah, I'm in a place now where I feel really good. Uh, Chicongo is very popular in Mexico. It's, it's mushroom chocolate. And nice. um, yeah, I am just, I'm not really rushing or running towards anything at this moment. I do feel like I'm doing my own personal therapy work, um, just journaling, therapeutic reflection and things like along those lines. But yeah, nothing big for me on the horizon right now. So, hey, that was the, that was the, the, the message, you know? Yeah, that's that's uh that's intense. Honestly, that that frequency is intense. Is that feels intense to me. I mean, it was intense. Yeah, yeah I feel like going under that many times. <laughs> I mean, last I my last trip was this summer, and with oh a bunch of my buddies, it was extremely profound. But like, I definitely made an ass of myself in the front of my house. There's no doubt about it. Like I was the loudest human as that has ever existed. I was couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> and then it yeah. just got really serious after that. <laughs> isn't it so liberating? You're just oh. like, yeah. And then it gets serious. And then you're like in your feelings yeah. and all the weird things. Oh, happen. I was in yeah. my feelings. I mean, I was literally in my living room and I had set it up. See, this is why I think we have to talk about this stuff. Like, I yes. don't care. I just say, I, you know, I, I feel like, you know what? If you want to know about it, you're going to hear the crazy stuff. You know, I'm in my living room with these other two guys, my best friends. And I set it up I and mean, I have like techno music playing. You know, I got it like surround sound. And then we're watching like like these beautiful landscapes. And people are crying and I'm feeling it, man. I'm just like, it's so deep. You know, I'm like, this is the magic <laughs> you know, and stuff. And, you know, we're consoling each other. And I was like, that's what I want. I want to be deep with another human. And sometimes you need assistance for that. You know, you need something that will help break down the wall for that level of feeling, you know? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It sounds like you were in a really good, safe space to be able oh, to yeah. experience I'm all that. About that. So yeah. of course you have to, right. And like, like I said, you know, during that time, this was when I really formed like a closeness with my group of friends with myself, with the medicine, quote unquote, you know, like mushrooms or whatever it is that you choose Mushy to mushroom. use. <laughs> yes, yes. It's it was just very, um, you know, it was a very kind of like intentional use for uh, mushrooms. It was very, um, I don't know, I guess it was a very spiritual time, very spiritual yes. experience when you have to just dig super deep into yourself. And um you know, I think I'm not advocating for this at all. Like I don't recommend sure. anybody go out there and this is not by any means like a proper dosing schedule or whatever it is. No. It's just tailored to me at the time. And like I said, since then, I haven't really had to explore this <clears throat> in that depth anymore. And I have a lot of lessons, a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, especially working in this space 
from all of this and I'll continue to carry that until, you know, the next time I feel called yeah. to, to do it again. Yeah. What was the five MEO experience like? Cause I, I talked to <laughs> B Chan and she, okay. that was her first experience ever with psychedelics was five MEO. And That's she said it experience. dropped her. She said she was in a circle and that she saw someone do it and they dropped. And then yep. she was like, Oh shit. Like, this is crazy. Like, you know, I was like, like, so I, what was your experience like? That's very interesting. Um, yeah, as a first experience, I don't know if I would recommend that. To most yeah, I don't know people. about that either. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a huge experience, you know, and if you feel called to this and this is something that, you know, you're up at night thinking, okay, this is what I need and you've never done any psychedelics. Maybe that's something that you need and that's something to explore. But for me, um, I was offered the opportunity to try five, like I mentioned. And so, uh, I was very skeptical at first. I, I was a little bit hesitant to be completely honest. I didn't really know if this was um, a medicine quote unquote <laughs> that I wanted to explore that I felt ready to. I have friends that have used five, uh, MEO quite often, maybe, wow. you know, it's in, in a spiritual context. And I just didn't, you know, really know how I feel, felt about it. Um, I've, I had tried an NDMT before, um, a couple of times, which was a very kind of strange experience, but yes, the five, <laughs> it was like the ultimate, you know, it was like the ultimate, I don't even know, like ego death, spiritual experience. Uh, I was very lucky to have a very safe container for myself before and after with uh, Joelle and Victoria, like what they did was they really kind of prepped me, answered all my questions. They also shared a lot of yogic philosophy with me. So if you're interested in that type of thing, you're what you're wondering about, you know, the nature of reality, consciousness, you know, even death, afterlife, if these are things that you're curious about, and you have some contextual understanding, this could be something to explore for you. Um, and so that helped me a lot. And then um, during the experience, you know, it was just like, you you have this giant pipe thing <laughs> I forget what it was called but it's just like this very special pipe that is made for five and yeah. um you only need one hit from it and they're holding it up to you and you lose all sense of control in your body so I understand um yeah. what Bia was saying when she saw somebody drop because that's essentially what had happened to me but I was thankfully in a very comfortable <laughs> space and I was lying down as you should I would say yeah I would say yeah um, I would say probably don't stand up because I've seen practitioners <laughs> serve that medicine and that way, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but yes, really just gone, like blasted into outer space. You're, it's all in your mind. It's all very fast, very intense. And you have no longer have an egoic identity. You have yeah. no you know, inner narrative anymore. All you're doing is just experiencing what is in front of you. You have no way to escape. So you might as well just embrace. And all you're doing is just taking in this like explosion of like light. And it feels like you're physically on a rocket. Like that's yeah. literally how I found, <laughs> you know, and, and it was unbelievable. There's no real words to describe what had happened. And I can't even imagine it anymore. But then coming out of it, you start to have your ego, quote unquote, you know, coming into your mind narrative and start to try to make sense of what had happened. But then also you're still feeling the residual effects of that medicine. And so, 
you know, all of these questions are coming and you're starting to think deeply about yourself. And it was very emotional. It was a very emotional experience. I just cried actually immediately after just like sobbing because I was like overwhelmed, you know? Wow. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I think more people should share these stories. Like I talked to a lot of people in psychedelics. They don't share the stories enough. I think I want <laughs> to totally hear the stories agree. like, or there's I, like I this, know. like you said, oh, this is very freeing talking about. I'm like, yes, we should be talking <laughs> about this. Like, it's not this ethereal thing. It's like, well, I'm in the psychedelic space and I talk about it and I kind of just don't let you into what actually happens, but we're talking about it. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. no, let people in. People need to know what is happening. You know, it's like this, this sounds like a, a great angle for you, to be honest. Like, I think that this is an awesome opportunity for you to be able to kind of bring that from people, because for me, you know, obviously it's tough for me to put myself out there and talk about my experiences. But I feel very grateful to hear other people's trip experiences. And those are generally the content creators or whoever it is, those figures that receive the most interest because it's so important for people to understand and make sense of like, what is this? And this is also something I've talked about before, like using psychedelics is so incredibly spiritual. Like people, people are not, some people are not ready for that level yeah. of information and, you know, personal understanding. There's just that narrative that you're hearing, you know, I work in the industry, these things have changed my life, but how and why and what happened? What did you think about? What did you see? You know, how did you feel after were there any residual effects of the medicine after, you know, like, yeah. were you experiencing side effects, like things like that? I think super, super important for people to talk about. Um, so thank you so much for letting me do that. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know, for me, it's just like, I'm not even in this industry. I'm not, I'm just talking to people <laughs> who are in it and stuff. I'm in the fitness industry. I have nothing to do with psychedelics, but the, the experiences I've had have been so overwhelming that I feel like I want to interview the people who are in it. And I want to like bring it more to light uh, because I think it's transformational, not just for me or you, but for society <clears throat> as a whole. And I think we, we just we just have to talk about it like we can't can't sugarcoat. I know for me, it changed my idea of nature. Like I didn't care about nature before psychedelics. Zero caring. About wow. Nature. You didn't care about nature at all. But this is the honest thing. You gotta be honest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bad stuff that you think about, the good stuff, you should be honest, thoughtfully honest. You know, it's of like, course. you know, yeah, people, oh man, terrible. You didn't like nature. That's just how I felt at the time. No, I was just curious. Right? I was like, wait, you you didn't like Zero. nature. <laughs> I wasn't connected to wow. it. It was like, okay, eh, whatever, you know, like whatever. After my first experience, I was deeply connected to nature, everything. And it changed how I viewed, it changed how I wanted to live in nature, where I wanted to live physically, everything. It made me closer to my wife because she's super nature oriented. And I was like, wow, I needed to do this. Like this changed everything, you know? So I think people need to hear that type of stuff. Like it's, it's not like, oh, I had a good time. No, no, I had a good time, but also it changed me dramatically in my thought process. That's what people need to hear, too. Like it's it confirmed spirituality. I've always been a spiritual person. I've always had a great experience with spirituality, religion. It made it better. It actually made it wow. better for me. Like that's the stuff people need to talk about. <laughs> like, you know, 
That's amazing. And I think that's a great way for you to also kind of like reflect what's happening culturally in general, just people who are spiritual in different ways, they take care of themselves, they believe in fitness and wellness. And then there's this other thing that comes out of nowhere. And it's a tool that just unlocks this whole other dimension of potential that exists within you. And, and it's just fascinating stuff um, to see what people are able to either change or build on from there and maybe change the trajectory of their lives. You know, like, I'm not sure if five years ago you would have thought you'd no. be doing this conversation right now, you know? And so it's incredible to see how things can dramatically change because of entheogens, plant medicines, psychedelics, hallucinogens, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. I, and I, I actually think it's my responsibility to talk about it and be responsible. Like, listen, as Michael Pollan said, this isn't for everyone. And it actually may be better to do, this is what he said, you know, about maybe do it later in life. I mean, you did it early, you did it, you know, whatever. It's all good, you know, but like, it's interesting. Like, I'm definitely doing it every decade of my life because I think it'll be meaningful as I continue to get older for that. But I think, you know, it's responsibility of well people, I think, too, to put out there that they're doing this stuff. I'm not going to hide it. I honestly don't care what people think about it. I just think it's it's literally life changing. And when you speak yeah. passionately about something that has a positive effect, that generally is extremely safe, you know, barring things like schizophrenia and all these things. There's obviously things that go along with it. But overall, it's one of the safer things you could do. It really is. I mean, people are drinking constantly. <laughs> like, alcohol is way worse for you, like way worse. But we've been socialized to do it constantly, you know? So I just think, like, I'm in fitness, and, you know, I've, I've had a great career in fitness. I, I don't feel like, oh, this is going to mess up my career. I feel like it's important for me to talk about it in my career. It's like... I go to a conference and speak. I have no problem if somebody asks me about it. I'd be like, yeah, let's talk about it. You want to hear my story? I'll tell you every detail of my, the trips I've done. And I'm still here speaking. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not a degenerate. <laughs> no, like, Love that. Yeah, no, it's great. I think it's awesome that you can be that person for your industry as well, you know, and like spread that message to people who... Yeah have probably never considered it, you know, cause like yeah. for me, I'm just operating in the same circles with like, like-minded people that are really deep in this, to be honest. Yes. But then outside of that is what people need to understand and hear and hopefully unlock something within themselves, but you know, no rush, right. It all comes in due yeah. time. Speaking of that, when are you going to tell your parents, Swati? <laughs> you know, I'm not letting this go. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so peer pressured now. <laughs> This is so funny. <laughs> when, um, hmm, maybe if I make it to like daytime TV or something, we'll oh, see. Okay. You, okay. Wait, 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 wait. You have to be like really successful. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I'm saying. But like, it's okay now. You, you, you know, you've reached this level. <laughs> I wish I was joking, but I'm super not. Like, that's <laughs> kind of this. unfortunately what it has to be. It's like once you have secured the bag with psychedelics, then you can then you can go tell your that's parents. Honesty. That's like that's honest true. without destroying something. Like that's that's honest. Like yeah. there's a tipping point when you're honest and it destroys things. That's stupid. Like exactly. But this is like you're being real about it, but you're like, yeah, this is how it is. Like, you know. 
Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, it might not make sense to some people. Some people might be like, you know, I mean, I've received that so much. How on earth are you just like hiding this part of yourself from your parents? And I'm like, well, I'm not Canadian, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> well, I am, you know, technically I'm yeah. born in Canada, but I, I don't, you know, have Canadian parents. And it just completely shifts the narrative, shifts everything for you. It's important to talk about. I mean, you should be ready to come back on my show when I send the VHS to your parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know they still have. I'm sure uh, they have a it. VCR. Yeah, is that of what course. they're called? Oh yeah. my god! I'm sure they have it. They'd be like, "Pop, put it on." Swati's just telling everything. I'd be like, yeah, "So let's talk about this. What's the reaction?" Hilarious. I'm that just is joking. so funny. Clearly, I'm joking. Uh, for <laughs> but man, this That's is. Uh, I love this. I love these conversations. They're always meaningful, and they're even more meaningful. When two people who are from I was underrepresented populations in general, but also in the space are talking about it, it gives a lot of other people a greater depth to the uh, to talking about psychedelics and plant medicine. It's it's really special to have that. So totally, I really appreciate you letting me do that and just kind of air out some dirty laundry. You aired it out. <laughs> We're gonna keep it too. Don't go back on this. <laughs> like, but it's also it feels great. And I, I I will treasure that. And I hope that it actually does help somebody out there who is curious about this or doesn't feel seen. That's a huge thing, you know, in, in yeah. uh, first generation communities. It's like, am I the only person going through this? Am I the only person who is an oddball or outcast who can't, you know, talk to my mom about this. And I just I think it's a lot more common than we think. And you just need some people representing people that look like you and that have exactly. similar experiences and this is why it's so important to have diverse you know representation especially in a space like psychedelics yes. which is the least diverse space i've honestly probably ever seen that's crazy right how crazy it's crazy it's a it's a, it's a little bit upsetting and it's tough sometimes for myself it's like okay, I feel like I'm very visible here <laughs> in a good way, in a bad way, you know, whatever it is. Um, there's a lot of responsibility on my shoulders sometimes, I feel. And I do think it is important that we share this part of things too, this more candid, honest, raw, real, ugly, funny, awkward, like whatever it is. It feels important, I think. It does feel important. <clears throat> well, you're part of that important talk, you know, us who doing this is really critical. So, uh, Let's tell all the people how they can connect with you. And uh, we won't tell your parents clearly, but, you know, <laughs> let everybody know how yeah, they can sure. connect with Swati. You, know. you can find me on LinkedIn <laughs> under Swati Sharma IRL. And you can find me on Twitter as well. Swati. And then I believe it's like seven underscores. <laughs> <laughs> Seven <underscore. laughs> we'll have it in the show notes we'll it is in the, the show, show notes. notes i thought it was fake actually i was like what is this so i was like <laughs> no we will we will have it in the show notes so it'll be easier for you guys um but yeah those are probably the best platforms for now fantastic swati thank you for giving me some of your valuable time i really appreciate it cool yeah thank you so much for having me darian have a good one thank you <laughs>